0: Good morning. Today we're going to be talking about framing. There's a lot of people who uh, use framing and try to use tools of rhetoric around not talking about framing, which I find pretty spooky. So I figured, well, I think I've done a podcast before on framing before, but I'll do another one just in case. (laughs) Um, It is, uh, I'm going to be reading from the uh, CIA infested Wikipedia to see what they have to say about this. So we'll start off with frame analysis, also known as framing analysis. It is a multidisciplinary social uh, science. So if it's a social science, we have to scratch off the word science because it's not repeatable. It's not science. So it's a multidisciplinary social study. It's a research method used to analyze how people understand situations and activities. Frame analysis looks at images, stereotypes, metaphors, actors, messages, and more. It examines how important these factors are and how and when they are chosen. Now, what do they mean by how important they are? How important they are in terms of manipulating the target. That's the implied meaning between important. Because important is meaningless if you don't talk about what it's important to. So the concept is generally attributed to the work of some Goffman guy in his 1974 book, Frame Analysis. Um, And it has been developed in the social movement theory, uh, policy studies, and elsewhere. Framing theory and frame analysis is a broad theoretical approach. So here at least they're admitting it's a theoretical approach approach that has been used in communication studies so i'm cool with them calling it studies not science Um, it's also used in news politics more social movements among other applications as a tool so framing is the process by which a communication source such as a news organization defines and constructs a political issue or public controversy So it's important to read that line again. Framing is the process by which a news organization constructs a public controversy. It is related to the concept of agenda setting. Framing uh, influences how people interpret or process information. This can set an agenda. Well, if it's agenda setting, I would assume... It can this it could sets it can set an agenda. However, frame analysis goes beyond agenda setting by examining the issues rather than the topics. Now, what is the difference between an issue and a topic? Now, for me, I like to take a step back and I don't really care about the issues and the topics. I'm more issue issue more interested in the techniques used. If you start seeing the techniques then the issues and the topics are irrelevant you could start seeing the macro level one step back what technique are they using they're using framing how are they framing it they're framing it to be this way why would they frame it to be that way they're trying to make me think this way how are they leading me how the framing is the ring around your nose and they're pulling you so that's what framing really means it's it's pulling you by the nose. What do they want me to think? What words do they want in my mind? What do they uh, not want me to be thinking about by distraction, by framing it a certain way, and usually using uh, all the other uh, logical fallacies, especially appeal to emotion, which we know is an established fallacious appeal. So framing influences how people interpret and process information that could set agenda. However, frame analysis goes beyond agenda setting by examining the issues rather than the topics. Frame analysis is usually done in regard to news media. However, framing is inevitable as everyone does it. So this is like almost all tools of manipulation. We instinctively stumble across and use these. It's like a rope. If you throw a rope on the floor and, it, it, and you tangle it up and you pull up, there's going to be some knots. And if you closely examine those knots that formed out of chaos, just a random throwing of rope, you'll see, oh, there's a figure eight. Oh, there's a square knot. Oh, there's another. So what are we doing? We're framing and naming the different types of knots. And we study these knots and we could detangle these knots and reuse these knots in the future. And then we could study them, which ones hold, which ones don't hold, you know, which ones are easy to untie after they've been under Load, right, these are things that we can do by studying how chaos interacts with things like ropes. So this is the same thing as what happens with uh, communication and people talking. We we chaotically stumble across framing and, and and a lot of these other techniques like the fallacious appeal, whatever whatever it works. I don't know where it comes from. Right, this is the whole philosophical uh, Carl Jungian, uh, you know, uh, social consciousness uh, versus. You know, uh, tabula rosa, which is obviously not true, because we are born with uh, at least instincts to behave. There are behaviors that are wired into us, and not all of us the same. People are wired differently. There are genetic differences in behavior, just like there are genetic differences in behavior of dogs. And then this goes, of course, to Nature versus nurture. How are you parented? You know, is your do your parents uh, fan the flames, or or does your society is it irrelevant to parenting now? The Marxists are all about trying to fan the flames of of division and hatred and all these things on your kids and try to don't believe your parents. Your parents don't know because they're trying to get rid of the established old culture and, and, and society of the you know the the West. Anyways, I don't think they do this to uh, the Han Chinese in China. But they definitely do it to uh, Europeans and, uh, and uh, people of the West. So, uh, frame analysis is usually done in regard to news media. However, framing is inevitable as everyone does it. It can speed up the process of interpretation as well as writing and presenting the news. So, it could speed up the process of interpretation interpreting what the 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 true meaning the the artificial meaning like the, just because something you interpret something uh, said the message is uh, red ladder it doesn't mean that that is an accurate message it just means that you're interpreting that message accurately and a lot of times especially with um, uh, news and, and this type of framing and uh, manipulation the, uh, the the message is deception is it's, it's that's the whole point of this we'll continue on So the uh, where was I Uh, framing is usually done in regard to news however, framing is it can speed up the process of interpretation as well as writing and presenting the news. People may just people just may not realize they use frames. Obviously, people do I'm talking about it because I do and I realize it. So when people are aware that they are using framing, there are several techniques that can be used. So just because you're aware you're using framing doesn't mean you don't instinctively, you know, talk about what's important. So it's not a matter of like you're intentionally framing, even though you're aware you're doing it. It's, uh, it's like breathing. You're aware you're breathing, but you're not intentionally breathing, although you can control it. If you want to hold your breath, you can hold your breath. It's Sort of like that. So there are several techniques that can be used of framing. These include Metaphor. Stories, which are anecdotes, right? Tradition. Whoa, we got to be careful with tradition because they got to erase the Marxists want to erase our traditions, right? Slogan, jargon, catchphrase, artifact, contrast, or spin. So, contrast, that's interesting. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're talking about like juxtaposition. If you put two things together, there can be an implied meaning, which may not be true. <clears throat> Just because there's an implied meaning or, uh, Uh, or even an explicit meaning doesn't mean it's true. Just because somebody says something, right? This is something we all know. People lie. News lies. Everybody lies, especially people with agendas. Then there's money on the line or power. So as rhetorical criticism, frame analysis has been proposed as a type of rhetorical uh, analysis for political actors in the 1980s. Let me read that again because I kind of muffed that. Frame analysis has been proposed as a type of rhetorical analysis for political actors in the 1980s, period. Political communication researcher Jim Kuypers first proposed his work advancing frame analysis as a rhetorical perspective in 1997. I call bullshit on that. His approach, or maybe his approach, his approach begins inductively by looking for themes that persist across time in a text. For Kuyper's, primarily news narratives on an issue or event, and then determining how those themes are framed. Kuyper's work begins with the assumption that frames are powerful rhetorical entities, they are, that induce us to filter our perceptions of the world in a particular way essentially making some aspects of our multidimensional reality more noticeable than other aspects. Well, that's what interpretation means. It's kind of redundant. So they operate by making some information more salient than other information. Exactly. In framing analysis from a rhetorical perspective, Kuipers details the differences between framing analysis as a rhetorical criticism and as a social science endeavor, blah, blah, blah. In particular, arguing that framing criticism offers insights unavailable to social scientists. That is a total oxymoron. There's no such thing as a social scientist. It's not repeatable, it's not science. In his 2009 work, uh, Rhetorical Criticism, Perspectives in Action, Kuyper's offers a detailed template for doing framing analysis from a rhetorical perspective. According to Kuyper's, framing is a process whereby communications no, communicators consciously or unconsciously, like we were saying earlier, act uh, to construct a point of view that encourages the facts of a given situation to be interpreted by others in a particular manner. Now that is, it hits it on the the head right there because it is which which facts are you drawing attention to? Frames operate in four key ways. They define problems, diagnose causes. What? What are they talking about here? Frames operate in four key ways. They define problems, diagnose causes. So by how you frame it, you're diagnosing the cause. You're not diagnosing the cause. You're implying the cause. If I see a, uh, uh, or if there's a story, say, of a black man robbing a store, right? It's a man who robbed a store. It could be an American who robbed a store. But if you focus on his blackness, a black man robbed a store. Is that diagnosing the cause of his robbing the store to being black? This is what they're saying. They're saying if you could frame it a certain way, you're diagnosing the cause. You're not diagnosing the cause. You're falsely diagnosing the cause. You're misleading the people. You're manipulating the people to believe the cause is a certain way based on how you framed it. I could talk about him being a man, a man robbed the store. So now people are gonna apply, oh, men are robbers. Or if I, if it was a woman, you know, or if it was a same guy, say he was a black guy, say what religion, say he was Jewish. If I say Jewish man robbed store, now I'm framing the cause of that man robbing the store to being Jewish. I could, uh, you know, for him as a man, it as a woman, or, or going back to it, it doesn't matter what, it could be the gender, right? This is often used. That's why I keep sliding into that because, oh, men this, women that, right? So it's very divisive to imply the cause is based on, you know, the person being a woman or the person being a man or the person being whatever religion or the person being a certain skin color or a, a person being born somewhere, right? This is what they say. So it, do, it doesn't actually diagnose the cause. It's a false diagnosis. It's a, it's a deceptive diagnosis false diagnosis of the cause and same with make moral judgments. It doesn't make a moral judgment. It makes an implied moral judgment based more on what the manipulator or the speaker or the public relations agent or the reporter or the, the, the fool on Twitter who whatever, whatever their, the, the implications of the morals they're trying to convey. And this, this uses a lot of cognitive, um, errors of especially you you amplify things or you're, or you attenuate things right you, you attenuate the the lives of say what's going on right now in palestine and in, in israel so you attenuate the value of the lives of the 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 innocent people so there's innocent people killed on both sides so you you dismiss you you minimize and attenuate the lives of the say palestinians and say, oh, look, there's a, a thousand Jews killed, right? Now, who's to say that they're even Jews? They're Israelis? Maybe they're not even Israelis, because according to the news, some of them were Germans and some of them were other things, right? But the news will frame it that way, to victimize w- the Jews. You could, you could reverse this 180%. And, and of course, the, my point being that they disregarded the innocent Palestinians who have been killed since. So you could spin it the other way. You could say, oh, look... Um, um, innocent Palestinians are being killed, right, and, and uh, totally dismissing the innocent Israelis that were killed or the innocent people in Israel. Again, I don't know if they were even Israeli, if they were what the religion was. I don't know any details about these people other than apparently, even if they were killed. But apparently there was a group of people that were killed in Israel. Right. So we could make assumptions about that based on how it's framed. And they can try to control how we are assumptions based on that. But this goes back to the fundamentals of critical thinking that assumptions are not facts. And assertions are not science. These are two core tenets of critical thinking. Right. So again, it goes to how people will frame what facts they will choose to pick. Right, and that that misleads people to interpret it. Leads you by the nose, so you can spin something to be pro-Israel and uh, and and neutral towards the uh, Palestinians. Hold on, so you can frame a conflict like what's going on in the Middle East different ways. You could frame it to be uh, pro-Israel. Uh, Israelis are victims, and the all the Palestinians are all a monolithic evil a horde. Um, or you could frame it as the Palestinians are victims and be neutral towards the uh, the Palestinians. Or you could frame it as both people, you could have the, the Israelis being victims and the Palestinians are being victims using a monolithic stereotype of both entire groups. Or you can say the leaders of Israel and the leaders of Hamas are victimizing people in Israel, the innocent people of Israel and the innocent people of Palestine, Gaza. Or you can frame it to be uh, there's an infinite number of ways you can frame it to be the the uh, these the Palestinians are. are uh you know, the bad guys and the Israelis are the good guys, or the Israelis are the good guys and the Palestinians are the bad guys, or the, the the, the uh, what do you call it, the Akud, the Akud in uh, the government in, in uh, the Zionist party in Israel are the bad guys, or you could frame the Zionist party to be the good guys, or you could frame uh, Hamas to be the good guys, the freedom fighters, right? You could frame it so many different ways. And this is the thing if you frame it, the way they frame it is they, Definitely load on a lot of emotional appeal. So they'll use a, uh, a brutal, because they're both being brutal to the both. Now I'm saying both as in the, the actors that are pulling the triggers. And now I'm generalizing both those groups into whoever that class of, a war pig is. So if it's the IDF, not all IDF, the ones who are pulling the triggers specifically. And same with the uh, the Hamas or whoever's fighting over there, the people who are pulling the triggers or hacking people up or doing whatever, those people specifically, not the people that aren't doing it. The innocent people are innocent. And this is the thing. It's not nuance. It's just common sense. Don't overgeneralize, right? That's flawed thinking. I'm not being hyper-nuanced here. I'm being just flatlined, trying to be Average and objective. That's not being, uh, uh, look, uh, you know, overly nuanced. It's <laughs> again, it's how you frame that. You could frame so many things it's from the perspective of how you say it, and does it doesn't make it right? It doesn't make it wrong, but you can use it as a tool to make things wrong, to make people feel emotional, and to make people feel emotional about one side versus people feeling emotional about the the other side. In reality, both. All innocent people being killed are victims. This is something that if you take a step back, if you've been manipulated emotionally by something, you could say, yes, of course, all innocent people (laughs) that are killed are victims and they're all equal. Some people might uh, be, you know, really bigoted and, you know, ethno... Supreme, supreme. You might have the uh, the Arab supremacists. You might have the Islamic supremacists. You might have the the Jewish supremacists. You might have you know uh, you know Zionist supremacists versus you know because Zionism isn't all Jews, right? Like you can't stereotype all Jews because it's a vast other than them all following the same religion. Otherwise, they wouldn't be Jews. So, again, there are so many different aspects to this. Where was I? Yeah, I'll, I'll read that uh, that line again. According to Kuyper's, framing is a process whereby communicators, public relations agents, uh, news uh, reporters, j- fake news journal- journalists, um, politicians, uh, or n- even normal people, um, humans. <laughs> so it's a process whereby communicators consciously or unconsciously Act to construct a point of view that encourages the facts of a given situation to be interpreted by others in a particular manner. Frames operate in four key ways. They define problems, diagnose causes. They don't diagnose causes. They give false diagnoses. Now, you could try to use it as a a diagnostic tool uh, of how the manipulator is framing things so i don't want to say it's totally not valid as trying to diagnose it's a tool doesn't mean it'll give you the truth but it'll give you a a tool it's a tool to use it's like uh, any other tool so to make moral judgments recall morals are unique to the individual you have moral values ethics are what are collectively taught your this company might have certain ethics This police department might have certain ethics. They are not really your morals. Your morals are intrinsic to you and your beliefs. Now, you can be conditioned and, uh, you know, uh, over and over again, especially from youth, to sort of morph your morals. But I think you can't really go too far. A sociopath child will uh, pretend to have the morals that they've been conditioned to have. But uh, there's a nuance there morals and ethics. So make moral judgments and suggest remedies. Suggest remedies to what? (laughs) Right. Frames are often found within a narrative. um, Sorry. Frames are often found within a narrative account of an issue or event and are generally the central organizing idea. So frames are often the central organizing idea. Kuyper's work is based on the premise that framing is a rhetorical process, and as such, it, has, it is best examined from the rhetorical point of view. Recall that the word rhetorical in this context uh, means used for persuasive effect, for manipulation. You want to persuade somebody. It doesn't mean if you're swaying, persuading them towards the truth. You're just controlling or trying to persuade them to think what you want them to think, or somebody's trying to do it to you. So distinctions within primary frameworks. In this book, in his book, Goffman said that people use the primary framework to examine their world. There are also distinctions within primary frameworks. So now it's starting to go blah, 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 right? There are natural and social frameworks, natural frameworks. So now he's starting to make definitions of these different types of frameworks. Natural frameworks don't apply social forces to situations, they just exist naturally. So that is purely an assertion. They just exist naturally. However, social frameworks do apply social frameworks to situations. Social frameworks do apply social forces to situations. The two are connected because social frameworks stem from natural frameworks. All right, so we're not defining any of this shit. So for social movements, framing has been utilized to explain the process of social movements. Movements are carriers of beliefs and ideologies. So they're defining what a movement is. So that's, I like that. I like they're actually defining what they mean by movement. And by movement, they mean a carrier of a belief and ideology. Now, it doesn't mean it's a true belief. It doesn't mean it's a true ideology. It's just a belief or an ideology, a meme, a meme. So in addition, they are part of the process of constructing meaning for participants and opposers. They are part of the process of constructing meaning for the participants and opposers. Well, wouldn't opposers also be participating? <laughs> right, you're participating as offense or you're participating as defense. So mass movements are said to be successful when the frames project, projected Align with the frames of participants to produce resonance between the two parties. So if there's resonance, this is a process known as frame alignments. Ooh, we are aligned. There is resonance with our framework. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Frame alignment. In case you don't know what frame alignment is, let's see what they say frame alignment is. Frame alignment, a process to explain social movement theory. Snow and Benford, 1988, say that frame alignment is an important element in social mobilization or movement. They argue that when individual frames become linked in congruity and complementariness, that frame alignment occurs. Uh, So I got distracted by my phone there. They argue that when individual frames become linked in congruency and complementariness, that frame alignment occurs. So if one frame uh, is congruent or complements another frame, they are aligned. Well, this is producing frame resonance. So they're both in alignment and now they're resonating, which is key to the process of a group transitioning from one frame to another. Okay, so this is critical. So this guy is saying, if you want to... Pull a frame—a person who has a certain belief from their belief. So, say there's a cult member who believes in whatever, right? Say, well, to this, well, I don't want to be politically charged, so I'll just try to keep it as generic as possible. So, there's a person who believes they're a member of this cult, and you want to pull that person from the cult, and you understand the ideologies of that cult. You can create a a, a resonance. Framework that is very similar to what the cult believes, right? Say it's a, I don't know, whatever. I don't want to get, it. it's, I don't want to charge it. So, this, say it's a religion. They believe this. So, you create a, a, a another framework that is very similar so that they're like, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. But then you start changing. Slightly a little bit different. So then you try to draw them away from their cult into your, uh, because they're agreeing with all these little tenants you have, because they were all aligned with all the tenants that they had. And then now you slowly start pulling it away and then some of them will stick. Some of them will stick to the the new framework and then you've successfully changed them from whatever their old framework was to the new framework, right? So that is the process of a group. So they're saying on a group level, transitioning from one frame to another. Although not all framing efforts are successful. No shit. So you you can't manipulate people from this framework to that framework and have a hundred percent success rate, right? the conditions that affect or constrain framing efforts. So these are the conditions that affect or constrain framing efforts, the robustness, completeness, and thoroughness of a framing of the framing effort. So how robust, complete, and thorough it is that affects it, that affects the conditions or constrains the framing error. Um, So these guys, uh, Snow, Rochford, Warden, and Benford identify three core framing tasks and the degree to which these tasks are uh, attended to will... What? Oh. (laughs) So how they are attended to will determine participant mobilization. The three tasks are diagnostic, framing for the identification of a problem and assignment of blame so we got to blame somebody right so we got to identify a problem and we need to ad- and assign blame to it this is not what everybody does with everything this is what they're saying these are the uh, the tasks right prognosis uh, a prognostic framing to suggest solutions strategies and tactics to the problem so first we got to frame and identify. So by we got to frame the by the framing is the identifying of a problem, and assigning blame to that problem. The second step is suggesting solutions to that problem and tactics. So strategies and tactics. how do we solve this problem? This is how we solve the problem. So the problem is um, Palestinians. <laughs> I'm trying not to be right. Or the problem is Israelis. The problem is Zionists right? So the problem is Islamic uh, people, the Muslims, that's the problem, right? These are all things that have been used. That's the problem, and is also the blame. So I guess technically you would say the problem in this situation would be the actions of that group, but it's not what actually happens. When you're like, say, for example, if you're trying to take over a territory of somebody, and they're not doing anything, they're just innocently standing there, you can't identify uh, their actions as the problem. So then the problem is their existence. That is the true problem. So how do you diagnose their existence as being the problem without sounding like a, uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to call a person that is that extreme? So you say it's the, uh, these uh, ad hominem them, right? Don't say what they did. If they didn't do anything, so you got to give them ad hominem. It's the, it's this group of people, these, um uh, um, these, these Palestinian dogs, right? So so you're assigning blame and the problem just by saying who it is, right? If they're just innocent, they didn't do anything, well, that's the problem, their existence. So if they happen to do anything, right, if anybody in their name or anybody coming from their, their pack does anything, of course, then you can use that as a tool to smear the entire pack. And uh, that can be used both ways. If an Israeli uh, government... Uh, oppresses a people and takes their land. You can blame all uh, people in the Israeli government, right? Or if you wanted to, you could blame all Israelis. Or if you wanted to, you could blame all people, since is Israel is a uh, a religious state, which the West has learned to separate church and state. But a, uh, Israel is embracing <laughs> it's a it's a religious state. So then you can, now you can start going in and blaming all people who are Jewish. I'm not saying this is, this is accurate. This is the techniques. I'm talking about the techniques of what people do. So they could diagnose, they identify a problem and assign blame. They suggest solutions, strategies, tactics to that problem. And motivational framing that serves as a call to arms or a rationale for action. So we could come up again with the thing. So the uh, problem is the existence of um, Palestinians uh, in the area, um, and we want to assign the blame. Is it's their fault for for existing? So how, what are the solutions and the tactics to the problem? Well, we could uh, provoke them to uh, attack, and then we can retaliate. So these are the tactics we could use, and uh, the the framing. Uh, the call to arms is like look look at the the abuses that they they will do when we provoke them, or look at the abuses that they have done after we've provoked them, um, and, and look how brutal it is. And so, therefore, they're they're dogs. They're not humans. So that's we need to protect our people. So let's go in and kill them all, right? So this is a call to arms. Now you could do the exact same narrative the other way. You could uh, take it from the 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 Palestinian uh, propaganda perspective, saying. Um, are just here. Uh, we're, we're not doing nothing. And look at the, the Israelis are oppressing us. So the problem is, is Israel. And I'm going to try to take one of the more extreme things, right? They're saying, so the existence of Israelis, it's the same thing, right? So now it's their existence in Palestine. That's the problem. It's the same thing as with the Israelis. My hypothetical, uh, people were saying against the Palestinians, that their existence is a problem. So it's the same as the hypothetical Palestinians saying the existence of the Israelis is the problem. So that's the problem is, is their existence. And so um, we can blame the people that are there, and then they could also blame, you know, the greater um, diaspora of Jewish people, or, or the or uh, England, or uh, the West in general, the United States for funding Israel, right? So these these things are used, these are framings that are used to uh, identify a problem and assign blame the next step is to suggest solutions strategies and tactics to the problem is to fight them any way we can throw rocks um, now in in uh, universities you know defund uh, you know divest and you know don't buy any stuff that comes from Israel kind of deal and uh, in Palestine you know the 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 different of course it's millions of different people so to be millions of different tactics but they could say oh uh we have no choice we have to use uh, terrorist tactics and blow up and, and try to scare them to get them to stop you know oppressing us right so then the uh, the motivational framework is like look at the, all the innocent people that they've killed look at the uh look how they're acting like dogs look how they're trying to provoke us to act right so these things can be framed either way by both sides to make a person emotionally feel ah. Make a person emotionally feel um, strongly to defend one side or the other, as opposed to being impartial. Because right? that's the whole point of this. It's not trying to make you. Propaganda doesn't isn't set to try to make you impartial. Propaganda is set to make you think X. So he continues the uh, the relationship, or whoever wrote this, uh, the relationship between the proposed frame and the larger belief system. Centrally, the frame cannot be. Hold on, I can't see here. The relationship between the proposed frame and the larger belief system. Centrally, the frame cannot be of low hierarchical significance and salience within the larger belief system. The frame cannot be of low hierarchy, hierarchical significance and salience within the larger belief system. Its range and interrelatedness If the frame is linked to only one core belief or or value that in itself is of limited range within the larger belief system, the frame has a high degree of being discounted. So they're saying you got to be careful here, right? People might disregard the framing if it's of low hierarchical significance and salience within the larger belief system. So if it's a low-priority thing, no one's going to really care. Relevance of the frame to the realities of the participants. Relevance of the frame to the realities of the participants. A frame must be relevant to participants to inform them. So in order for a frame to be relevant to somebody, the masses, it has to be universal. So that's why they use uh, appeals to uh, emotion and a lot of times a sense of injustice, right? Because a lot of people have similar feelings towards injustice, but not everybody feels the same way. So it reacts to different individuals differently. It's the whole point of social science not being repeatable. It's not a science. It's more of a dirty process. Uh, probability thing, right? So relevance of the frame to the realities of the participants. A frame must be relevant to participants to inform them. I didn't catch that the first time. It's to inform them. So if it's not relevant to me, it's not going to inform me. You mean so? What they're really saying is it must be relevant to the target for it to manipulate them that's what it means in real words. Uh, relevancy can be constrained by empirically, uh, empirical credibility or testability. So empirical just means observational credibility. So it doesn't mean it's actually credible. It's just empirical. So does it look credible? It doesn't mean it is credible. Empiricism doesn't mean it it's the truth. It just means it's what you observe. You still have to interpret what you observe. And a, a, a magic, a magician's trick is a perfect example. You observe them cutting the woman in half empirically. I saw him cut the woman in half, it's not what really happened, right? You need to interpret. There's two women in the boxes, one, one folded up, one's feet sticking out the other one and the other one's curled up in the front, one, right? So just cause you empirically observe something doesn't mean it's true. Empirical credibility, right? So, or testability social sciences are rarely testable, but again it goes back to probabilities. So it relates to participant experience and has narrative fidelity. Narrative fidelity. So it has to appear true within the story. The story has to agree with itself. It doesn't have to be true. Just within the story it has to be true. So if I said Buddy went out and chopped down a tree in the forest, uh and he used a piece of spaghetti. Well, that's not consistently true. That's probably a really bad example. <laughs> All right, scratch that example. Um, so, of course, narrative fidelity. Look at the euphemisms they're using here, right? Narrative fidelity. So, it has to fit in with existing. So, there's okay, they're going on to define narrative fidelity to be fitting in with existing cultural myths and narrations, not truths whatever the existing culture will believe, right? It has to have resonance. If they believe this, your bullshit has to be close to that if you want to pull them away from their story to your uh, to your interpretation. Cycles of protest. The point at which the frame emerges on the timeline of the current era and existing preoccupations with social change. Framing efforts may be affected by previous frames. Well, yeah, if people have been exposed to a technique of bullshit that has been since proven to be bullshit, and then they try using those same techniques right after, it's like an old joke. The people that were manipulated the first time fooled me once, right? Fool me twice. What's George Bush say? We won't get fooled again. <laughs> right. um, Snow Bedford. Uh, Snow and Benford proposed that once proper frames are constructed as described above. So by proper frames, they mean frames that have effect on manipulating the targets. So once proper frames are constructed as described above, large-scale changes in society, such as those necessary for social movement, can be achieved through frame alignment so we got to in order to manipulate those stupid christians we can come up with some stuff that will fool them or or the stupid atheists or the stupid uh, uh muslims or the stupid jews whatever i'm i'm being metaphorical here right or hyper, hyperbolic the that's this is what they they think we got to get our our narrative to line up to resonate with their existing uh beliefs And for a large-scale change in society, whether those people being changed want to be changed or not is not discussed. It is not relevant. It is they are the target and we are the steering community committee we steer what these dirty animals these subhumans the masses the, the 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 dirty the dirty masses the useless eaters what they what they think is not relevant because we tell them what to think by how we frame things right so for political thought frame analysis for political thought has been dominated by two popular cognitive sciences george lakoff uh, nurturant parent governance and Frank Lunt's strict father governance. What the? All right. So it's for political thought. Two guys who gives a shit. So content analysis and framing. The deductive frame analysis predefines frames and then looks for them in the news to see which stories fit into those definitions. So this is deductive. So I hate how they use fucking logical, uh, you know, critical thinking terms like deductive deduction means a certain thing and induction means a certain thing, right? So the deductive frame analysis predefines frames and then looks for them in the news. So I'm not too opposed to that. That's all right. So if we see there's been framing, well, they're saying they come up with this framing beforehand and then you look for it. Inductive frame analysis requires that a story is analyzed first. So I think it's more. Uh, realistic to use the inductive frame analysis technique. You see the news, and then you start. You, you start getting hit. Bam, 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 over and over and over again. And then start. You realize. Oh, you start looking. What's going on there? What are they doing? What, what right? So you pretty much instinctively have to use the inductive frame analysis. Right. You have to start analyzing the techniques of framing. What they're doing first. Why do they? Why do they? mention that a victim was a nurse? Why did they uh, mention that a victim uh, was a certain skin color? Why did they mention that the attacker was a certain skin color? And why did they not mention the attacker's skin color in other situations? If they're gonna name it, In all situations, that's fine, but that's not what they do. And they know that's not what they're doing because they've studied this garbage that I'm reading to you right now. They know this stuff. They actually were tested on it. They got degrees in this shit. It's not like conspiracy theory. Oh, they they mention the skin color for this story of the attacker, but they don't mention the skin color of the very next story of the other attack. Why? 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 They're intentionally doing it because they're trying to control a narrative. It's not conspiracy theory. This is explicitly explained in framing analysis. So the uh, the inductive frame analysis, uh, yeah, you have to analyze the story first. The researcher looks for possible frames that have been loosely defined. So the researcher here, I'm in. I'm trying to make the dirty masses the public, you and me, the useless eaters. We're not the ones in the, uh, the 1% flying around in our airplanes and we're not in public relations agencies. And if you are, you're a piece of garbage, uh, or a politician or a journalist of the fake news breed, uh, citizen journalists, even them. So you get citizen journalists now that are popping up who are actually not, uh, people who are trying to find the truth. They are, uh, you know, uh, pseudo, um, citizen journalists, they might actually be drawing a salary from some NGO or some uh, organization that is interested in pursuing or promoting a certain narrative and attacking those who dare question certain narratives. So uh, the researcher looks for possible frames. I want that researcher to be you, John Q. Public. And if you happen to be uh, somebody who's not John Q. Public, get lost. Common frames in the news. Conflict. Conflicts between individual people, groups, institutions, et cetera. Right? That's pretty much self explanatory. Economic consequences. Now these are are these real? Same with conflict. Are they real conflicts? Or are they amplified conflicts? Are they Pseudo conflicts don't really exist. They're just implied conflicts, right? To sow the seeds of division for a bigger narrative of control, where you're trying to divide the people and keep them from unifying or talk to each other, right? Same with so economic consequences. There may not actually be, or in fact, the economic economic consequences might be positive for something, but they might try to frame it to be negative economic consequences. Right, it all depends on what narrative they're trying to push. It's all about the framing. So it looks so uh, economic consequences looks at the economic consequences of a situation in the news and how it may affect people, groups, institutions, economically. So that's not true. It doesn't look how they, how it may affect them. Well, I guess it does. But it also looks at how you can frame it that it might possibly uh, 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 affect them. Even if it's affecting them in a positive manner, uh, These this, these manipulators might try to reframe it to be affecting them in a negative manner, right? So it's not simple. Human interest, it adds emotion, the fallacious appeal to emotion, human interest. So it adds emotion or a human side to an issue or event. This is the technique that they use for the fallacious appeal to emotion to try to hook people, right? So it's the the human interest. We're going to tell a story about this one individual, even though, Fifteen thousand innocent people got killed over here, and a thousand innocent people got killed over here. We're going to talk about the individual on either side. We could talk about an uh, an innocent, um, you know, ten-year-old girl who did nothing wrong in Palestine who was killed by Israeli sharpshooters, right? Or you could talk about the innocent uh, Jewish girl who did nothing to anybody and was killed by Hamas uh, shooters with AK-47s, right? They're both egregiously wrong, but if you focus on the human interest of that one story, that is your your, uh, your path to the appeal, the fallacious appeal to emotion, right? Because it's going to distort the person, the target's perspective of the story. It's going to say, oh, that's horrible. I hate. Now you're going to use the, the overgeneralization and stereotype of the other group. Us and them, the other, right? So if you focus on the, the poor, innocent Jewish girl that got killed and you say it was them, the Palestinians, then people to be, oh, I hate those Palestinians. And then if you say, oh, look at the poor, innocent Palestinian girl that got killed, it was the the Jews or the Israelis or the IDF, depending on how they want to stratify that. And I'd say, but the other way, it depends. Do you want to say Palestinians or do you want to say Muslims or do you want to say uh, Islamic fundamentalists or do you want to say Arabs, right? You could frame this on all these different strata. This is the framing of the situation, and this is how it is literally used, and it is used to extremes. I don't know, well, if you think about when you learn to drive, um, people go to extremes when you stumble on things that are new. You get in the car, you hit the gas hard, you hit the brakes hard. You're not nuanced. You're not subtle with the gas. You're not subtle with the brakes. You're not subtle with the steering. You kind of jerk it, right? Same with, you, same with you're playing a new video game. You might just be like, bam, 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 all over the place, right? You're hitting the wall, bam, 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 instead of being controlled, right? Because you just, we have this instinct to, well, if it's not this, it's that. Bam, and then you start realizing, oh, it's nuanced. It's gray, there's a gradient. It's not A or B, it's somewhere in between. And that's where a lot of things in life are. You start balancing, right? Balance, the yin and the yang. It's not all black, it's not all white. It's yin and yang. It's, the, it's the, the concept of the yin and yang. It's the balance in between the two. It's not all evil, it's not all good. No person, well, I shouldn't say that. Generally, not everybody is all evil or not all good. Everybody has a bit of both, right? So it's the nuance of the situation. This is what we need to grapple with, and not allow um, people to. And this is the thing: they fan the flames of the uh, extremism, like coming, jumping to extreme conclusions. Us, them. It's all Palestinians. It's all Jews. It's all Arabs, right? It, it's it's all Muslims. It's it's all Zionists. It's all whatever. It's all uh, the West. It's all you know, uh, Arabs. It's all Persians. It's all whatever you know. These, these again, you get the idea, right? How these and you see it every day, and almost every article, and you can see how biased certain uh, news like CNN will be. They'll definitely take this, the the side of the Israelis and say, "Oh, it's a Jewish thing. They're attacking all Jews by attacking uh, the is the the Israelis or the, the Israeli government and and the borders. That you know, when they're they're fighting back. So they're 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 anti-Semitic, right?" Or if you take a look at uh, well, Fox News also agrees with CNN on this. They're they're very pro-Israeli, really. but then you get like uh, in Canada, you get the CBC and uh, some some other outlets that are very pro-Muslim. Um, very and it's, again, it's it's not Muslim versus this conflict is not Muslim versus uh, Jew or any of these things. It's all that's how it's actually framed. So this is where you could take a step back and say, what is really happening? There's a land. There is these. Uh, one group of people with the the money being funded by the Americans that are oppressing the other people and they're not allowing them to have their own government. This is the reality of what's going on. And there are innocent people on both sides being killed. And it's these the little nucleus, the nuclei of the, the control, the hierarchy of the of the of the tops of the uh the uh the, the, the Gazan side or the tops of the Israeli side. It's those people that are, you know, controlling <laughs> The, or, or brutalizing all the poor, innocent people, the masses down below. Now, again, I don't want to sound like I'm being all Marxist, but I'm definitely for the people, the innocent people. This is, and so how do we do that? We try to protect them from these egregious war pigs who are using these techniques. And both sides use them. I shouldn't say both sides, all sides. There's more than two. There's many different sides. Although you rarely see people who are trying to be balanced using again we all do this again right? instinctively we all do this but you rarely see people using this uh, to the extent where if you call them out on it cuz these people know they're doing this so if you talk about the framing and they this start ad homining you right cuz they know they're using the framing because they're they're manipulators they're they're uh paid shills either on Twitter or in the news or whatever. Right? So they know they know full well that they're doing this. They know they're framing it in a way uh, to draw. Now, the thing is, do they drink their own Kool-Aid? Do they actually believe their own rhetoric? Do they get emotional themselves when they write this stuff, right? And then they use that framing as a tool to further try to manipulate other people to think the way that they think or do they don't care? They're just they're whatever. Uh, I'm paid to make people think this way. So I'm going to use the tools, uh, framing and, and rhetoric to uh, make this, I'm going to try to fight for this argument. Like if you're a PR agent and they want you to promote uh, some new uh, chemical you know, called that's killing uh, you know pregnant women. That's called you know uh, cylinder zine or something, right? And you you obviously don't have a soul because it's self evident. If you work in a public relations, you'd be like, okay, so I'm going to attack anybody who says anything that this cylinder zine is actually hurting them. So I'm going to attack them, ad hominem, them. I'm going to use these tools of framing, saying you know it's the science, and anybody that uh, you don't you, you don't even mention. If anybody has a question, they're an anti science uh, bigot or whatever kind of craziness that uh, they come up. Up with common frames in the news. Um, wait, did I did I get this content analysis and framing? I can't remember if I said that. So the deductive frame analysis predefines frames, yes, and then looks for them in the news to see, yeah, you know, yeah. So the deductive predefines it. So you come up with an idea, you think this is this is the framing that they might be using, and then you look for that framing in the news. The inductive frame analysis is you look and you see what framing they're using. So this is what we can do. We do both, right? So once you've seen, you'll use the deductive frame analysis once you've seen the inductive. So you've seen them using these techniques of framing in, you know, previous years and you know, cause I, I've seen that style of framing before, and then so now you can use that as a deductive framing when there's a new narrative, a new story that comes up. You say, "Hey, that fits the exact pattern of the Black Lives Matter. How they were they're trying to say all white cops by saying the skin color of the cop that killed that guy and the skin color of the the, the victim of the the in certain situations they you know a, a brutal gang guy that was whatever he was, wasn't he beating his wife or something like that, and then he had a weapon and the cop was justified in killing him. Right? So I'm not saying that all cops are justified, but the point is they'll find a situation and then they'll use the framing and say, look, at the, there's a white cop, black man, right? And then there'll be another situation when a black cop kills a white guy and uh, the guy was speeding and the cop thought he had a gun. He shoots him in the head. Oh, he didn't have a gun. It was actually a cell phone, right? Well, I'm not going to even talk about that one. That one doesn't make the news, right? Or you could just say maybe... Uh, if it does, you could say, "Oh, uh, that's police brutality." You don't say it was a black cop killing a white guy. Now you're going to focus on the police brutality. It's all about the framing and how you frame it, right? And they know this. This is what they do. They studied it. The other guys are writing this stuff. Right? So, um, conflict frames in the news. Conflict. Oh, yeah. I think our conflict is defined as the conflicts between individual people, groups, institutions, etc. So institutions are techni- generally on a society level, right? Uh, economic consequences, uh, human interests, and then morality. So morality applies to religious or moral beliefs to a situation. So morality, this is against uh, the morals of whatever group you're trying to get. So if there's a group of uh, religious people that follow generally certain morals, now, I don't think there is a religious group out there where everybody has the same morals. But if you try to appeal to those people who virtue signal that say, yes, I have the morals of that religion when they actually don't. Some do, some don't. But the ones, so then those people, that's how, that's how the, you could frame it towards that more morality uh, or beliefs. So they say moral beliefs to a situation. So it applies to religious or moral beliefs to a situation. This also applies to atheists, of course. It's not just religious. Um, atheist people have religiosity Um, it's not actually a religion, but it's a belief system that is is subscribed to dogma and everything else. So just because you're an atheist doesn't mean you're a critical thinker. Responsibility makes someone, so here now they're saying, so these are the, so conflict, economic consequences. So these are the frames in the news, right? Conflict, economic consequences, human interest, morality, and responsibility. So who's responsible? It makes someone, individual, group, institution, responsible for a situation. So this goes you know, to blame, right? Who's responsible? What's the individual? What's the group? What's the institution? So this goes to uh, the Marxists and the, and the woke bigots use this all the time. If there's a white cop that killed a black guy, say there's a black cop that shot a white guy, we're not gonna talk about that. White cop kills a black guy. Well, this is now we got to blame somebody. Who do we blame? We blame all white people or we blame the systemic discrimination. Even though more white guys are ki- or white people are killed by cops than black people, reality doesn't matter. It's all about the framing of the responsibility of who's responsible for this. So you blame a group. So then you could blame all white people. Or if it's the other way around, uh, you could blame all black people, right? If uh, for whatever happens, right? If you're a black person, you know, I'm not responsible for the actions of every other black person. And if you're a white person, you know, I'm not responsible for the actions and beliefs of every other white person. So if people can make that connection, they should be able to realize that not all people of any other group are all responsible. You can't systemically blame an entire group for that, which is what often this technique is actually trying to do. Explicitly, responsibility, you have to make someone responsible for the situation. That's what it says here. Make someone responsible for the situation. Other examples of frames may include health severity, thematic and episodic, medical, uncertainty, alarmist. What frames are used depends on the event at hand. So now of course we know alarmist, right? The environmental uncertainty, uh, that's used for a lot of things. We need to be able to swim in the uncertainty. What did I say on my, uh, uh, the unknown mystery is antithetical to their need to maintain control. I'm pretty sure that's what I put on my, my Twitter bio. It's true that the mystery it's, it's antithetical to their need to maintain control. You can't have uncertainty. You have to come up with, a uh, uh, reasons for stuff even if it's bullshit this is the fundamentals of the or- origins of science and religion but instead of having to come up with any bullshit answer there are a group of people who try to come up with what's true right and there's a difference so if you just come up with any old bullshit answer that's dogma that's used in science today too oh it's dogma this is the truth don't don't bother doing your own research which is the most anti science thing someone could say so the uh, now we're going to go into the alignment when we have the, the different narratives aligning. So there are four types, which include frame bridging, frame amplification, frame extension, and frame transformation. These guys really did a deep dive in this, right? Frame bridging is the linkage of two or more ideologically congruent, but structurally unconnected frames regarding a particular issue. So they are ideologically congruent, but they are structurally unconnected. So this could be like Antifa and Black Lives Matter, both uh, puppets of the FBI or whoever, and they are aligned uh, with the Democrats to bring down uh, populist governments like Trump. So they are um, ideologically congruent in that aspect, but structurally unconnected. One is a bunch of rich white kids who are rebelling against their rich parents. And the other one is a bunch of uh, misled uh, black kids who are promoted or, or fan to hate um, people who are white. So it involves the linkage of, linkage of a movement to unmobilized sentiment pools or public opinion preference clusters. So it involves the linkage of a movement to unmobilized sentiment pools unmobilized sentiment pools or public opinion preference clusters wow so these are pools or groups clusters of people of so they so there's a they try to classify a group of people to have this sort of opinion now this is where they sort of this is i don't think this is where you're using stereotype, right? So they'll use prejudice and stereotype. They might see one person with that belief and they'll say, what categories can I put that person in? That person is this socioeconomic class. So then I'm just going to stereotype all people of that socioeconomic class to be of that pool or that cluster, right? And then this is where the flaws come in, right? That is that is uh, a really uh, un uh, critical way of thinking. It's a fallacious way of coming to conclusions. It's, it's, it's an accurate way to come to false conclusions. <laughs> right? And this is what a lot of people do in these movements. Now, I don't know if they're intentionally doing it, but since they read about it here, I think maybe they are. So then if that's the case, they actually don't believe their ideologies. They're just using these ideologies as tools to try to manipulate people for some greater uh, problem, which uh, this is now we're starting to get down some conspiracy holes, right? So frame bridging frame bridging. So two frames, the linkage of two or more ideologically congruent, but structurally unconnected frames regarding a particular issue or problem. It solves the linkage of a movement to unmobilized pools and clusters of people who share similar views or grievances, but who will lack, who lack an organizational base. So that's bridging. So you get the Antifa and the Black Lives Matter against the, uh, the public against, uh, yeah, Trump. Frame amplification refers to the uh, clarification and invigoration of an interpretive frame that bears on a particular issue. So frame amplification. So it is the clarifi- <laughs> clarification and invigoration. We're going to invigorate. We're going to clarify and invigorate uh, an, a, an interpretive frame that bears uh, on a particular issue. So we're going to clarify and invigorate. So we're just going to fan the flames, right? Clarify. We'll clarify our manipulative bullshit. Clarifying doesn't mean you're going to make it uh, more true. It just means you're going to focus more on the the lie. You're going to clarify your lie to make it more solid, more defined, less ambiguous. That's all clarification means, right? So the uh, clarification and invigoration Of a uh, frame that bears on an issue, problem, or set of events. The interpretive frame usually involves invigoration or invigorating of values or beliefs. So you're going to use the values and beliefs to amplify. Do you believe this? They're not going to ask you that. They're just going to assume you believe this. And then they're going to (laughs) invigorate, invigorate that frame. Frame extensions are a so now the third one so frame bridging frame amplification now we have frame extensions frame extensions are a movement's effort to incorporate participants by extending the boundaries of the proposed frame to include or encompass the views interests or sentiments of targeted groups right so finally now we're we're, we're saying it out loud targeted groups so frame extensions so that means you have a group of people who have been manipulated to believe a certain narrative. So then to include a greater public, you sort of expand their narrative, right? So that's the you extend the frame to of the boundaries of that, that narrative to try to incorporate more targets into your framing. So we got bridging, amplification, extending, and now we have transformation. Frame transformation is a process required, required, when the proposed frames may not resonate with on occasion, uh, may even appear antithetical to conventional lifestyles or rituals and extant interpretive frames, extant. Interpretive frames. So frame transformation, we have um, bridging, amplification, extensions, and now frame transformation. Frame transformation is a process required when the proposed frames may not resonate with, ooh, they're not going to resonate with, and on ex- on occasion may even appear antithetical to conventional lifestyles or rituals and extant interpretive frames. So existing interpretive frames, extant ex- is existing, right? So so it may not resonate with the, or it may even appear antithetical to, or op- the opposite of the conventional lifestyles or rituals. I'm trying to make it seem religious. Uh, of the existing frames, the extant interpretive frames. So it's not even the real frames. It's just the frames that are interpretive. It's an abstract concept, right? When this happens, new values, new meanings, new meanings and understandings are required. So you wonder, why do they redefine words? Well, they redefine words because they need to have new meanings according to the file frame transformation. So when this happens, new values, new meanings, and understandings are required in order to secure participants and support. So in order for the targets to be able to believe the bullshit that is antithetical, or might, no, it's not antithetical, it might just appear antithetical. So we will, um, we're going to create new meanings for them so they can understand it. That's how you transform them, right? That's how you you pull them away from their conventional lifestyle to whatever new lifestyle you want them to have or new ritual that you want them to have or that you want them to at least interpret. So in order to secure support for your narrative, your story, you want to transform them. This is the ultimate of manipulation, right? Uh, So the... So this guy, Goffman calls this keying where activities, events, and biographies that are already meaningful from the standpoint of some primary framework transpose in terms of another framework framework. So if you could slide some, uh, meaningful bullshit from one framing to another framing, you're going to transpose that to another framework such that it is seen differently. So you're just not looking at your Christmas. Well, let's look at Christmas differently. You're looking at it wrong. What it really means is this. Right? So that's what they—that's how they try to transform you. you no, 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 no. You don't know what you think. Uh, This—you actually think this. This is this is what the real meaning of that is. We're going to change the definition to actually be this. So there are two types. Religious religions use this just as the. Uh, Any other form of manipulator uses this. So here they're going to subdivide transformation to uh, two uh, subdivisions. (laughs) Uh, Domain-specific transformation, such as the attempt to alter the status of groups of people. So if you're going to try to... And this is what they're doing. They're trying to alter the status of uh, white heterosexual... What do they call it? Heteronormative (laughs) Uh, men. English-speaking... Uh, able-bodied, right? So they want to alter the status of that group. Uh, global interpretive frame transformation. That's this the second one. So the first one is domain-specific transformations, the domain being who your targets are. You want to alter the status of that group. And the second uh, the transformation is global interpretive frame transformation where the scope of change is quite radical, as in the change of world views, total conventions of thought, and uprooting all that is familiar. Example, moving from communism to market capitalism or religious conversion or what we mostly see moving from market capitalism to communism at universities and brainwashing our kids. So these are literally, so they're going to use the opposite to try to say, oh, this is, we're going to, if the danger is moving people from communist to market capitalism, what they're really doing is capitalists don't care if people are communists. They don't give a shit as long as they can keep making and selling their stuff. Right. But the communists care about market capitalists. So it's usually the other way around. They're gonna be moving people, the 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 global interpretive frame trans or yeah, frame transformation. It's gonna be uh the world views. So when they say world views, they're talking about the individuals' world views, not the the views of the world. Or they could actually, but no, because they're talking about the target. So it is the world views of that specific target or that group, the people in that target, the specific individuals of that target going to change their worldview so that's the frame transformation the changing of your 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 existing framing how you think is wrong right according to whoever wants to manipulate you automated frame analysis since frame analysis are conducted manually they require significant effort and time recently some researchers have proposed to researchers have proposed to automate parts of frame analysis For example, one approach aims to find instances of biased news coverage in news articles. Try to show me a news article that isn't biased. The automated approach uh, imitates frame analysis by using natural language processing and media biased models. Wow, so are they talking about using AI here? I'm not exactly sure what they're talking about in that one. So that is it for the uh, frame analysis. The uh, I think I'm going to continue. I mean, I'll mean, i do another podcast probably on uh, framing, just in general, the framing effect in psychology and framing in the social sciences. Um, I don't think I should continue now. It'll probably be too long. or probably already is. Yeah. So that'll be uh, tomorrow's podcast or the next one whenever I do it.